Welcome to another inspirational message from Dave Coop, Senior Pastor of Coastal Church in Vancouver, Canada. Wisdom is, Proverbs says, the primary thing we should be getting, Proverbs 4, 7, and 8. You don't have it there in your notes, but let me just go ahead and read it for you. It says, getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do with an exclamation mark. So if it's the most important thing we can do, obviously we're getting wisdom today. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning saying, or Sunday afternoon saying, I'd like to get some wisdom. And with your wisdom, develop common sense and good judgment. If you exalt wisdom, she will exalt you. How would I exalt wisdom? You could exalt wisdom by today going home and saying, I'm going to review those notes again. I'm going to read a proverb of the day. That would exalt wisdom. You could exalt wisdom by talking to some people that have wisdom on a certain area, a counselor, a father, a mother, a grandpa, or getting wisdom on a situation. What should I do? That's exalting wisdom. Hold her fast, and she will lead you to great honor. She will place a beautiful crown upon your head. We have a lot of information today. You can Google something, and you'll get enough pages on any particular topic that you could spend the next month reading 24-7 before you could cover it all. There's more information, right, than we could ever use. So it's not information we need more of. If information solved the problems, we would have all our problems solved because today there's more information thrown at us than we can handle. There's information overload. What we don't have is a wisdom overload. We, we're short on wisdom. We're high on information, short on wisdom. If you want to have a better marriage, get wisdom. Remember, wisdom is a principal thing. If you want to have a better uh, business, get wisdom. If you want to have a date, get wisdom. If you, want to, if you want to have a better family, get wisdom. Relationships are important. We need wisdom on relationships. Whether you're in kindergarten, whether you're 85, whether you have a family, whether you don't have a family, whether you're married or whether you want to get married, you, went, you thought about relationships this week. I don't know what it was, but we all thought about relationships this week, whether it be our children, whether it be our spouse, whether it be our parents, whether it be our schoolmates. We thought about relationships. We were working on them. Some of those relationships sucked the energy out of your life this week. Oh, man, that just drained me. Other relationships built you up. And so you, we've gone through emotions this past week on relationships. Like Chip said in that clip, God's really interested in your relationships. First of all, he's interested in your relationship with him. That's a big deal to him. And he paid the ultimate price in sending his son so we could have a relationship with him. But then he's also interested in your relationship with others. God loves it when you get connected and have good friends. The devil doesn't want you to have friends. God works hard, stands with you, arranges things so you can have friends, gives us wisdom on how to get friends. That's his ultimate goal is for us to be connected in a body, every joint supplying, having good friendships. So we're going to go to the book of Proverbs today. All the verses are from Proverbs. We could have taken scriptures from other books and put them in there, but we're promoting the book of Proverbs this month. Proverbs is an amazing book filled with wisdom for life applications. And you can take a proverb a day, read through it for a month, maybe skip a month and come back again. But I suggest a couple times a year, Go through the book of Proverbs and just read uh, a chapter a day and you'll get some wisdom. What we've done is pulled some of those Proverbs out and placed them under different uh, topics for friendships or relationships. If you go to Facebook, you can find out that in, on, the, on the Facebook site that uh, right now they have over 400 million active users. 50% of the active users log on to Facebook in any given day. The average user for Facebook 
has 130 friends. If you have Facebook, I don't know how many friends you have on your Facebook account, but the average is 130. Now, there's an article from New York Times about this guy, and uh, he got onto Facebook, and he wanted to get some friends on there, so he went to work, and his name was Hal Nedvitsky, and Hal uh, ended up getting 700 online friends. So he's well over the average of 130, 700 online friends, and they're cyber pals, acquaintances, some strangers that he didn't even know signed up to be his friend. But uh, he had a two-year-old at home. He was a bit of a workaholic, and so he was often alone, and he didn't have a lot of friends in the flesh, so to speak. So he said, you know what? I got an idea. I got 700 friends online. At least they say they're my friends. I'm going to invite them to the bar, and let's have a party at the bar, and let's see who shows up. So he invites all these people to the bar, and he wants to have this party there, and he says on Facebook, you have three options. You can respond by saying, I'm attending, maybe attending, or not attending. Well, guess somebody said they're going to come. 15 out of 700 said they would come. 60 said they might be there, so that would be 75. And he said, well, if 20 show up, I'd be happy. I could have a party with 20 people. So he's got hoping to have 20 people show up at this, at this local watering hole. And so he writes about what happens the next day. He says, on the evening in question... I took a shower, I shaved, I splashed on my tingly man perfume, I put on new pants, a favorite shirt, brimming with optimism, I headed over to the neighborhood watering hole and waited, and waited, and waited. Eventually, one person showed up, and that person happened to be a lady who was a friend of a friend. It says, they ended up making small talk, and then she left. Hal waited till midnight, and no one else showed up. So he ordered a beer and sulked. He concluded his article with these words, 700 friends, and I was drinking alone. So he was looking for relationships. So I don't know if you're listening today, Hal, but we're going to put this on the podcast. And if you happen to find this, hopefully this wisdom on relationship is going to give you some real friends that will show up. And uh, I suggest a different location for meeting them. That might help as well. Anyhow, you know, there's a study uh, relating to relationships. You know, your, your physical health is really related to your friends. A lot of people are, are sick because their relationships are sick. Carl Menninger was a psychiatrist, famed psychiatrist, and he said, most people we could dismiss from the hospital if they could just forgive. They'd be, they'd be, they could go home. And a lot of medical studies by great universities, great studies have been done. There was one done by Saint Ho- or jo- or John Hopkins University, and they took the medical records of 1,300 students. And then they tried to figure out why they were sick. And they looked at psychological factors. You know what the two top reasons why they were sick was? Number one was a lack of closeness to their parents. And number two was negative attitude towards one's family. Your most important relationships are to your family. That's our primary initial relationships. If those aren't healthy... It affects our physical health. And then another fellow by the name of James Lynch, he's from the University of Maryland. He did a medical study, and he found and wrote, in a surprising number of cases, premature coronary heart disease and premature death. None of us want that, right? Nobody wants premature coronary. uh, I don't want coronary heart disease ever. Uh, Premature death, we don't want that either. He said it was related to interpersonal unhappiness, the lack of love, human loneliness, 
And seems to, these seem to appear as the root cause of physical problems. Barbara Powell, she's a clinical psychologist. She added, in my own profession, as a clinical psychologist, whatever a patient's initial complaint, insomnia, phobia, depression, generalized anxiety, lack of life direction, she says the discussion usually gets around to a stressful relationship or the stress of not having a relationship. So a relationship is big. This stuff that I'm going to share today on wisdom out of Proverbs, guess what? You already know it. All the points, nothing's going to be like, oh, I've never heard of that before. This is all going to be kind of grade five stuff. But this is the bread. This is the living bread. This is the stuff you have to keep going over and over, whether you're in kindergarten or 85, to have healthy relationships with your children, your spouse, your, your teachers, your employer, your your the people that live in the same building, these are the things we live by day by day, and they're found in the book of Proverbs, and we want to go to them today. You can find a lot of good books on relationships. You can go down to chapters. You can order a book online, and there's a lot of books on relationship. But here's the deal. This book is the headwaters. Every great idea, every nugget, every principle you can get it here. This is, this is the headwaters. You can follow, you can go outside of our building. Not too far from here is the Fraser River. And if you follow the Fraser River, you can get to the headwaters of the Fraser River. You can find out where it originates. This is the headwaters on wisdom on relationships. So if you're like me, sometimes I just want to go to the headwaters. I want to get to the very source of it and explore that. Proverbs <clears throat> especially gives you great information right boiled down on how to have great relationships so let's go through some of these just bullet points to go through one time what you have to say and think before you speak it's always a good thing to engage your brain before you engage your mouth i know none of you have ever done that but i have done that too often where i have spoken and then later i think why in the world did i say that that was the dumbest thing to say i wish i could go back and get my words kind of rewind them put them back in there reword it and then say it but you don't get to do that once you speak it's gone you spoke for all eternity it's out there and you got to deal with it so proverbs is just saying here the godly think before they speak everyone enjoys a fitting reply it's wonderful to say the right thing at the right time how do i say the right thing at the right time you take this proverb you think about it and you say, wait a minute, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be one of those people who thinks before they speak. It takes practice, but it's good wisdom. Kind and gentle words promote good health and relationships. Well, that ties in with all these medical studies we've heard about. Pleasant words, if you like underline that, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Again, that relates to what we just shared. Some people make cutting remarks, not everybody, but some people do. I know nobody here ever did, but apparently there's some people that make cutting remarks. But the words of the wise bring healing. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You can make your friendship great, or you can make it terrible by the words that you speak. Cutting remarks ruin friendships. In our home a number of years ago, we were watching a very deep theological movie, profound movie. And out of this profound, deep theological film, we gained a nugget that we still use in our home today. The movie was called Bambi. <laughs> and Bambi's mother at one point says to Bambi, if you can't say nothing nice, don't say anything at all. 
And we call that the thumper rule. So we still have in our home today the thumper rule. If somebody drifts off and makes a cutting remark, we say, what's the thumper rule? If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. We, we know the rule. The thumper rule. It's a good rule to have, to teach children when they're young. Keep your cool. An angry tongue means lost friendships. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Have you ever had somebody really ticked off at you? And they're just spitting mad? And they're throwing mud at you? What do you want to do? You, it's the same thing as me, right? You throw mud at me. I can throw mud. You want mud? I'll give you mud. Twice as much. Take that. Okay, okay I'll give you some back. And we, we get into that mode really easy. But this is different. You know what wisdom says? Throw mud at me? Got angry at me? Swore at me? Cutting remark at me? You turn around and say, you know what I appreciate about you? I'm just, you know what? Can I, can I just give you a little bit of kindness? I want to give you a little bit of gentleness. How do, we, how do we overcome evil? With good. Overcome evil with good. This verse is a lifesaver for you. Because when they get mad, you won't want to do it. You won't feel like doing it. The just will live by faith. You will not feel like doing this. You'll feel like throwing mud back. But if you just use gentleness, kindness, because guess what? They don't know how to play that game. All they know how to play with is getting mean and ugly. And when you don't get mean and ugly, when you're nice to them, they go, I don't know what to do with that. If you'll fight me, I know what to do with that. But if you, if, well, I don't know what to do with this. Okay, I just quit. Gentle answer turns away wrath. That's a keeper. Uh, put a lid on it. The next point, don't vent all your feelings. A fool vents all, circle all, all his feelings. Good to show your feelings, but just not all of them. A wise man holds them back. There's times you need to share your feelings, and other times you need to just put a lid on it. Beware of gossip. A destroyer of relationships. Fire goes out for lack of fuel. Quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Have a quarrel? Is there a quarrel in your house? Is there a quarrel in your workplace? Go digging around, and you're going to find gossip. Get rid of the gossip, quarrel stops. Have a family gathering with quarrels? Guess what? Somewhere there's gossip. It's nasty. So what do we do? We don't gossip about others, and we don't listen to gossip. That's the deal. The next verse says, gossip, gossips, it's a noun, can't keep secrets. So never, underline word never, confide in blabbermouths. Here's an amazing nugget of wisdom. If you meet somebody or get to know a friend and they talk a lot about other people and they give a lot of information about them, hello, don't tell them anything. Unless you want to post it and Twitter and Facebook around the world. You just, just uh-huh, uh-huh. They say, well, can you tell me about this and about that? You just don't tell them anything. Because whatever you tell them, it's going to be all over the world. That's good advice. That'll save you some hurt. Save me some hurt. Next point is listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you really want junk like that in your belly? Do you really want gossip in your heart? Because it's garbage. And sometimes you just have to politely tell people, I really don't care. Tell somebody else. Do I look like a garbage can? Do I have a lid? <laughs> now say it nice. You know, you, you figure it out. <laughs> 
But that's the idea. You just don't take it. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in your garbage. Tell somebody else. Uh, don't lie about your friends. Now, this sounds so elementary. I know. Excuse me, the points are so basic. But honestly, folks, we can wreck friendships. We can destroy not just friendships. We can destroy our reputation by telling lies. So I don't lie to my friends. I don't lie about my friends. Do you lie in business? Do we lie when we do a deal? Do we lie about our competitor? Do we stretch the truth? How, do, how are we handling truth? It's a command. We're commanded not to lie. Not because God says, here's the rules. Because he likes us. He loves us and he's protecting us from having messed up relationships. Lying, twisting the truth, wrecks relationships. Have a dad, last Sunday was Father's Day. Have a dad lie to his children and what happens to the relationship? It's sour. Have children lie to their parents, what happens? It sours it. They don't trust them. Children need something, you don't provide it for them because they've lied to you. They have to grow up before you can trust them. Lying's terrible. It wrecks relationships. I know it's basic. We all know it. But this is the kind of stuff we have to hear and think. Okay, healthy relationships, I deal honestly. I, as it says here, telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe. Ouch. Wounding with a sword. Shooting arrow at them. Okay, the next one is be careful if someone uses flattery. Flattery is different than a compliment. A com- we give compliments. I give a compliment to encourage you, to edify you, to build you up. We use flattery. Flattery is given to, for a selfish reason. I need to get something. I want to manipulate you. And so we, we use flattery to do that. So the Bible says be careful with, about flattery. Smooth words may hide a wicked heart. May hide, not necessarily, but it could be hiding a wicked heart, just as a pretty glaze covers a common clay pot. So when you hear a bunch of flattery, you kind of have a yellow flag. Not a red flag, but a yellow flag just goes up. Okay, this sounds too good to be true. Proverbs 26, 28, it's not in there, but it says flattery causes ruin. I came across some flattery that guys use to pick up girls. Guys, I don't suggest you write these down or use these. But uh, anyhow, unless you can do it sincerely and mean it, then, then okay. Here's some flattery pickup lines I came up with. I found. Uh, I didn't come up with these. I found these. <laughs> Just clarify that right now. It sure didn't. They wouldn't have worked for me, I'll tell you that. Cheryl would have spotted that right away and ran. Anyhow, here's one. Baby. <laughs> Okay, girls, that's a clue right there, right? Any guy who comes up and says, baby, you know. Baby, you must be a broom because you just swept me off my feet. (laughs) They're all pretty corny, so you can groan at one or all. Baby, you're so sweet, you put Hershey's out of business. Um, Here's one that's really cheesy. I hope you know CPR. Because you took my breath away. (laughs) I just had to come talk with you. Sweetness is my weakness. I think I can die happy now because I had just seen a perfect piece of heaven. Here's one that's really bad. Were you in Boy Scouts? Because you sure tied my heart in a knot. (laughs) 
<laughs> told you they're bad. This is flattery extreme. Excuse me, I'm writing a term paper on the finer things in life, and I was wondering if I could interview you. Here's the flattery. If you stood up in front of a mirror and held up 11 roses, you'd see 12 of the most beautiful things in the world. Now, I mean, if you can use it, it's sincere and real, all the power to you. But flattery, beware of flattery. That's not the way to build relationships. Avoid quarreling. We talked a bit about quarreling. Beginning a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. That's important. How many of our moms said, stop the quarreling, trying to get us to drop the matter before it breaks out? That's good. Um, you know that you can download love into your heart? That's really the antidote for uh, having good relationships is having love in our heart. If we don't have love in our heart, if we're not loving others, uh, it's because we haven't had a fresh download of love. Uh, I sync my phone to my computer. I download applications. You download applications on your stuff, and sometimes you've got free apps. Sometimes you've got to pray, pay for the applications, but you download applications. Well, the Bible literally says that he downloads love into our heart. It says that he sheds his love abroad in our heart. Or today's translation, he, he sinks up our heart with his love. And guess what? Daily, we have to sink. We need a fresh download of his love. You've got a love bank in your heart, and people make withdrawals out of your love bank. And they keep pulling stuff out. If, so if you don't get a deposit, you're going to be broke. If you're broke in love, you're hurting, and hurt people hurt people. But if you get a fresh download of love, you can love other people. Does that make sense? And so well, who's the source of love? God is love. So you go to God and say, God, I need a download of your love in my heart. Well, somebody wrote this out in technical terms for us, and so I thought I'd take the time to read to you how to, on a technical version, download love into your heart. Here's how it goes. Somebody sent this out. Technical support says, yes, ma'am, how can I help you? Customer, well, after much consideration, I've decided to install love. They're searching through all the applications. Oh, love, I'll install that. Can you guide me through the process? Tech support, yes, I can help you. Are you ready to proceed? Customer, well, I'm not very technical, but I think I'm ready. What do I do first? Tech support, the first step is open your heart. Have you located your heart, ma'am? Uh, yes, but there's several other programs running. Is it okay to install love while they're running? Tech support, what programs are running, ma'am? Uh, let's see, I have past hurt running, low self-esteem, grudge and resentment are running right now. Hmm, no problem. Love will gradually erase past hurt from your current operating system. It may remain in your permanent memory, however, but it will not disrupt other programs. Love will eventually override low self-esteem and replace it with high self-esteem. However, you have to completely turn off grudge and resentment. Those programs prevent love from being properly installed. Can you turn those off, ma'am? I don't know how to turn them off. Can you tell me how? With pleasure. Go to your start menu, menu and invoke forgiveness. Now, press this as many times as necessary until grudge and resentment have completely erased. It may take 70 times. <laughs> Customer, okay, done. Love has finally beginning to install in my heart. Is that normal? Yes, but remember, you have only the base program. You need to be connecting to other hearts in order to get the upgrades. Tech support. Uh, or customer, oops, I have an error message. It says, error, program not run on external components. What should I do? 
tech support. Don't worry, ma'am. It means that the love program is setting up on internal hearts, but has not yet been run on your heart. In non-technical terms, it means you have to love yourself before you can love others. Well, what do I do? Technical support. Can you pull down self-acceptance? Yes. Okay, now click on the following files. Forgive self, realize your worth, and acknowledge your limitations. Click, click, click. Done. Tech support. Now copy them to the My Heart directory. The system will overwrite any conflicting files and begin patching faulty programming. Also, you need to delete self-criticism from all your directories, empty your recycle bin to make sure it's completely gone and never comes back. Self-criticism. Customer. Got it. Hey, my heart's filling up with new files. Smile is playing on my monitor. Peace and contentment are copying themselves all over my heart. Is this normal? Uh, Sometimes, rather it takes a while longer, but eventually everything gets there in its proper time. So, love is installed and running. One more thing we need to do before you hang up. You need to know love is freeware. Be sure you give it away to others, as many people as you can meet. They will in turn share with others and return some cool modules back to you. Customer, I promise to do that. By the way, what's your name? Tech support, just call me the divine cardiologist, also known as a great physician or just I am. Most people feel all they need is an annual checkup to stay heart healthy, but the manufacturer suggests a daily maintenance schedule for maximum love efficiency. So if you want to have maximum love efficiency in your relationships, we need this regular download of God's love in our heart. Next point is listen before you speak or listen more than you speak. James tells us we are supposed to be quick to listen, slow to speak. There's a reason why God gave us two ears and one mouth. It's simple math. Proverbs 10, 19 says, don't talk too much for it fosters sin. Be sensible and turn off the flow. Proverbs 10, 19. I like to give that verse to some people sometimes. Have I got a verse for you? I feel God speaking to me. Could you write down this verse? Proverbs 10, 19. Meditate on this when you go home tonight. Very few people I'd have to say that to, but it has crossed my mind. Here's another good verse you could write down. Deuteronomy 29, 29. It's not in there. You ever get asked one of those Bible questions that really just kind of stumps you? You have no earthly idea how to answer it. It's like, I don't know. Who knows the answer to that? Like, who was there before God? Who knows that? I don't know. But you know what? Here's the deal. Now, don't tell me your pastor told you this, okay? But you just act very spiritual, and you say, acknowledge the question, say, Peter, that's a really good question. And you know what? I have an answer for you. I have searched the scriptures. I've thought of that question myself. And I've searched diligently over many years. Your answer is found in Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29. And that'll cover all your cases. Deuteronomy 29, 29. You can look it up when you go home. By the way, I'm, I'm just, it's just really a joke, so don't take it too seriously. <laughs> but it is a good verse. It has helped me out of a couple of binds. It may help you out of a couple of binds, too. Uh, listen more than you speak. A truly wor- wise person uses few words. A person who, with understanding is even tempered. 
Even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent. So sometimes the best thing is just not to say anything. They think you're brilliant. <laughs> Next point is have a friendly disposition. Wear a smile. It goes back to Chip Ingram's little clip there. If we have a smile, if we work on ourselves and say, saying, God, bring me a friend or bring me a spouse, bring me relationships, you start looking at yourself and say, what must I do to be friendly? This is what the proverb is saying when it says, a man who has friends, what? Must himself be friendly. There's no maybe about that. You have to do that. If you have friends, it's because you've been friendly. If you want friends, be friendly. It says in the last verse there, whoever loves a pure heart, whoever speaks graciously, has a king as his friend. Speaks graciously. What's grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is speaking good when they don't deserve it. That's what grace is. Grace is God loving you when you didn't deserve it. If you speak that way, they don't deserve for you to speak good about them, but you speak good about them anyhow, guess what? You'll have a king as a friend. People will be attracted to you. People of influence will be attracted to you by the way you speak. You're speaking graciously. If you walk around in your life, if I walk around my life and we, we, have, we act like we have this chip on our shoulder or we've been baptized in pickle juice or we just look like we're sad, miserable people and we don't have anything good to say about anything, you repel people. We repel people when we do that. We can come into a, a service like this and we can come up with a list with everything that's wrong. Should have done this, did this. You can go home. We can go to our, our family gathering. We can go to our workplace. Anybody can nitpick and find something wrong with everything. But you won't win a lot of friends. But if, <laughs> but if, we, if we have an attitude of speaking graciously, it's attractive. This is simple wisdom. I know it's not deep, but it's so practical for everyday life. Walk in forgiveness. Don't dig up the past. Smart people know how to hold their tongue. Not literally. It means, <laughs> I got a trick for you. I can hold my tongue. No, that's not literally what it means. It means that you <laughs> I just had this goofy thought of somebody holding their tongue and thinking they're smart. Now, it means that we know when to keep quiet. We know when to forgive. Grandeur is to forgive and forget, not bring it up again. Well, I remember what you did five years ago. I haven't forgotten. I got a list of it. I wrote it all down. And when you make up for all of that, I just might come around. First Corinthians says, love does not keep an account of suffered wrongs. Tear up the ledger, throw it away. God does not keep account of all your mistakes. And he says, you must not keep account of everybody else's mistakes. When you stand praying, forgive that your heavenly Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. If you do not forgive, if you keep a ledger of everything that was done against you, then neither will he, your heavenly Father, forgive you. That puts you in a very precarious position. So it's much better to live a life or saying, Lord, I'm going to forgive those who've hurt me. It makes for better friends. Demonstrate loyalty. Never abandon a friend, either your father's, either yours or your father's. Uh, next point, receive and or share, give honest advice. An honest rebuke, open rebuke is better than hidden love. Sometimes in our lives, we walk with blinders on and we're doing something dumb and we don't even know we're doing it. A true friend, a loving friend, will kindly sit down and point out the dumb thing we're doing. And that is an open rebuke. Now, 
Here's a little bit of advice to go with this. If you see your friend doing something dumb and you want to help them by speaking into them, don't come up to them and say, what you're doing is really dumb and stupid. The Bible says this. Stop doing it. You know, you just like, they're just like, I don't want to hear that. Sandwich it with a lot of love and encouragement. Build them up. Where does God put the seed and the fruit? Inside the fruit. He wraps the seed. The word of God is a seed. That's what produces life, right? It's in the seed. The fruit itself kind of dries up and it's gone. But the seed is what germinates and brings life. Your words will bring life if you wrap it up in fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, for example. Love, joy, kindness, faithfulness, temperance. If you take that truth and you wrap it up with that kind of a wrapping, guess what? People will receive that seed and they'll go, ah, thank you for sharing that. And they'll be able to digest it. Don't praise yourself and let others do it for you. Wise people don't make a show of their knowledge, but fools broadcast their folly. Wise people don't give you their resume the first time they meet you. I did this, and I did that, I went here, and I did that, I know so-and-so. You want to see my Rolodex? When somebody comes up to you and they share all their knowledge the first time, and they got this impressive, wow, I've been here, I've done that, here I am. You know what that is? That's a yellow flag. That's like, okay, not doing business with you. Just walk around that one really careful. Because a wise person does not display all his knowledge. So that's just simple wisdom in relationships. Uh, Next point, those nearest you make you or break you. So choose your friends carefully. Two points there, side by side. Iron sharpens iron, friend sharpens a friend. Choose your friends carefully. A wicked man, I mean a righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Do not do as the wicked do. Follow the path of evildoers. Avoid their haunts. Don't hang out with them. Turn away and go somewhere else. This next one is really catchy. A mirror reflects a man's face. Look in the mirror, you see what you look like. But if we want to see what you're really like, we look at your friends. Who are we really like? We are really like the friends that we have. That's what this proverb is saying. But what he is really like is shown by the friends he chooses. We can tell something about you by the way you dress. We can tell something about you by the way you walk and carry yourself. But when you introduce us to your friends, now we know what you're really like. That's why a lot of companies today, when you go to get hired, what do they do? They check out your Facebook account. Or they check out your MySpace. They check out who your friends are. And when they find out your friends are creeps, they don't hire you. When they find out your friends are good people, they hire you. So they look, who are your friends? And more and more today, they're examining, who is this person associating with? We don't want this baggage coming into the company. So wise people choose their friends carefully. Maybe there's some people that shouldn't be on your Facebook account. Take them off as friends. I didn't mean to say that, but (laughs) it just came out. (laughs) But it might be good advice if you're looking for a job. 
you, you don't need a, a ticker tape to count so many friends we have on our, our Facebook or whatever. We, we, need, we need something authentic and genuine that reflects who we really are. So I think that's the wisdom that we need to draw from that. We are designed to be in relationship. We have different types of relationship. There's contacts. They network us with other people. We have that level of relationships. There's a, a friendship relationship, people that affirm us, that are committed to us, who are thick and thin, partners that share a common goal or interest with us, mentors that produce change in us, protégés that learn from us. So we have different people in our lives. But God is really interested in relationships with us. The movie Castaway, I like that movie. It was a cool story. And... Uh, you know, if you've watched it, Tom Hanks plays this character, Chuck Noland, and he is a Federal Express executive, plane crash, sole survivor, on this little island, and there by himself, and some of the stuff washes ashore. One of them's a volleyball, a Wilson volleyball. He's trying to start fire, and he cuts his hand, grabs the volleyball out of frustration, throws it, and he looks at it, and the impression on the volleyball that came from his bloody hand was a face, and he... He, so he names uh, it Wilson, and Wilson becomes his best friend on the island. And uh, he talks a lot to Wilson, even prays to Wilson. The strange thing is, in the whole movie, Chuck never prays to God. Not once do we hear this guy calling out to God for help. I, I think in real life, the man would have prayed to God. But now he prays to Wilson. Wilson falls off a raft later on in the movie, so that didn't turn out very good for Wilson. But because he wasn't God anyhow. <laughs> so, <laughs> There's a point to this story. I'm just trying to remember what it is. <laughs> I think the point of the story is that... <laughs> the point of the story is that God is interested. He would have loved for Chuck to call upon him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And we have people that are looking everywhere but to God for their relationships. The primary relationship is this vertical relationship we have with God. And Jesus said to his disciples, I call you friends. God says, I want to adopt you. God who lives in relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, lives in community, wants us to be in community, but wants to have this intimate relationship with us. He extends it to us, the court's the ball's in our court, and we get to make a decision whether or not we want to embrace him. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to download free notes from this message or find out more information about Pastor Dave Coop, then we invite you to visit our website at www.coastalchurch.org.